Welcome everyone to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. I'm Dr. Andrea Spiker from the University of Wisconsin. Today I'm joined by Dr. Sean Anthony, who is the Associate Chief of Sports Medicine at Mount Sinai Health System and an orthopedic consultant for the U.S. Open Tennis Championships. Dr. Anthony was the senior author of the article titled Hip Arthroscopy Trends, Increasing Patient Out-of-Pocket Costs, Lower Surgeon Reimbursement, and Cost Reduction with Utilization of Ambulatory Surgery Centers, which was published in the November 2023 edition of the Arthroscopy Journal. Dr. Anthony's co-authors were Justin Tiao, Kevin Wang, Michael Herrera, Ashley Rosenberg, Andrew Carbone, and Nicole Zubizarreta. Welcome, Dr. Anthony, and thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. So, Sean, to start our conversation today, would you mind just telling us a little bit more about you and your practice? So I am based at Mount Sinai Health System here in New York City, um, and uh, I trained with you at HSS for Sports Fellowship and previously for residency at Harvard, uh, where I did an MD-MBA, also with an MBA at Harvard Business School. Um, so I've always been interested in um, cost and value of healthcare delivery, and my current practice is uh, comprised of shoulder, hip, and knee arthroscopy. Um, based at the Academic Center here in Mount Sinai. Great, thank you. And yes, Sean, I would say even as as co-fellows, I always relied on you for the, your knowledge and expertise when it came to healthcare utilization and uh, all of the things that I didn't understand. So I was very excited to see that you had written this paper and uh, was excited to have you on the podcast to talk about it. Happy to be here. So can you start by telling us what brought this study about? So what questions were you hoping to answer and why did you find these intriguing questions to ask? So with the rising cost of healthcare delivery, you know, we're always looking for um, better analysis of trends of what's, what are the cost drivers. And given that hip arthroscopy is a big part of my practice, I was looking to see at um, what are the drivers of higher cost you know, over time for, for hip scopes. Um, we've looked at, my group has looked at other uh, procedures such as ACL reconstruction and rotator cuff repair. Um, previously using a database called the market scan database. And we wanted to apply these same concepts to hip arthroscopy. Market scan is really unique because it, it contains insurance payment data. And there's a lot of studies out looking at costs of healthcare delivery, but they're always, almost always looking at charges. And, you know, as you probably know in your practice, you know, the charges that we submit to insurance companies are often quite random and there's huge variability between institutions and there's you know they're not always uh you know um representative of the underlying cost or or the payments reimbursement from insurers so the market scan database is really neat because actually has um reimbursement insurance company reimbursement payment data for for the commercial insurers and uh you know other limitations of, of the existing literature is that there are studies that look at the different Medicare, data, Medicare databases, but these aren't very helpful for looking at hip arthroscopy patients, which are usually under the age of 65. You know, so the questions we're looking to answer, you know, we wanted to see, you know, what are the trends in utilization of, of ambulatory surgery centers? We have shown previously this year that for ACL reconstruction and rotator cuff repair, that the site of surgery has a huge impact on the overall cost of care. So we wanted to see how that applies for hip arthroscopy as well. Um, and then the same vein, we are looking at uh, the trends in surgeon reimbursement and also patient out-of-pocket costs. And this is something unique that we've been able to pull from the market scan database as well. Is looking at what are the what is what is the patient's share of their um, of, of the cost during the whole episode of care. 
um, from the surgery itself, uh, you know, to the entire episode, looking at 90 days or six months, um, even post-surgery. You mentioned in your paper that there's been some variation in reported incidents of hip arthroscopy over the past decades. And and you were just mentioning in your uh, questions within the study that that was an important component um, as we've seen an increase in the amount of hip arthroscopy utilization. So can you tell us just based on what you've seen in prior literature, why there might be differences on study methodology in, in the reporting of incidents of hip arthroscopy? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think a lot of it stems from the databases used, you know, and, you know, if it's a Medicare database, that's not going to capture the commercial population less than 65 years old. Um, also, there's huge differences, you know, the CPT codes that have been looked at, you know, hip arthroscopy is relatively new in the past two decades, and there's been new CPT codes added uh, throughout that time. Um, there's also been, you know, previously unlisted procedure codes were used more and more. Now we have better defined codes for, you know, femoroplasties or labor repairs. A lot of the data is inconsistent due to the, you know, varying databases, changing CPT codes used to code those procedures. You know, one thing that we tried to look at, even within hip arthroscopy, are we talking about labor repair surgery? Are we talking about FAI surgery where we're doing acetabuloplasties or femoroplasties or just hip scope debridements, you know, for, for cartilage uh, tears and, you know, for further arthritic changes? But those are very different animals, you know, very, very different types of procedures. Also, in terms of cost, you know, it's a very low cost procedure to do a hip scope debridement versus a higher cost procedure um, in theory to do a FAI surgery with a labor repair where there's cost of implants and a much longer OR time. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Sean. And I think um, you mentioned it, uh, but over the past two to three decades, we've seen a huge change in what we're doing. I mean, you know, 20 years ago, labral reconstruction wasn't really a thing. And now that is uh, becoming more and more common, uh, as well as the implants that you mentioned. Um, so it's it's really interesting uh, to see the change, especially in hip arthroscopy in the actual procedures that we're evaluating with these database studies. Now, um, you you mentioned that one of the questions in your methodology was, was to look at uh, what the expenses were with performing a hip arthroscopy at a hospital versus an ambulatory surgical center. So what is your personal experience with operating at both of those locations? And what would you say are some of the arguments for and against each relating specifically to hip arthroscopy? In my practice here at Mount Sinai, I've, I've operated both at the hospital setting for the first few years, and then I've transitioned in the past probably now five to six years to be almost entirely at the outpatient surgery center. And, you know, I, you know, there's pros and cons of, of each setup. You know, the, I think the, you know, the advantage of the hospital is, um, you know, fewer limitations in terms of payer mix that you can bring to the, to the facility, you know, the type of patient, you know, in terms of comorbidities that, that can be accepted there. Um, the, the, the cons, as I'm sure you can appreciate as well, is this, you know, not always having the same team, you know, at, at the surgery center, you know, it's it's a it's the the team is very familiar with with hip arthroscopy, um, with the room setup, uh, patient positioning, and, and you know, and it, as you can as as you can appreciate, it you know it can be a thirty to sixty minute process sometimes just in terms of that overall setup and and draping, and you know when you're at a hospital setting that could even be prolonged, which isn't good for patient care, but also drives up the cost of care delivery. Um, you know, and you know just having personnel that are that are um, really uh, tuned in to hip arthroscopy makes a huge difference, you know, whether it's C-arm text, scrub text, to room circulators. Um, you know, the the cons, you know, the 
things that make it difficult to operate at a AFC, you know, one would be, you know, small but real risk of hip scope complications. Um, you know, there was, you know, worries of, of abdominal compartment syndrome or other, you know, more serious complications. However, the, you know, you know, the literature shows this is extremely rare complication. So, you know, probably not one that, you know, should prohibit us from operating at ASCs. Um, cost of implants, you know, is, is something to be considered. Um, not all, you know, different ASCs um, have different uh, contracts with individual insurance companies. So sometimes it can be difficult to bring um, a, you know, a labor reconstruction case, you know, where there's, you know, perhaps, um, you know, many, many anchors going to be used with a longer OR time. That can be a hard case to bring to a, to a private surgery center. They may not be getting reimbursed uh, for the implants. So, you know, so there are, so that's another factor that uh, surgeons have to weigh in when they're choosing whether to bring a case to an ASC versus a hospital. Excellent. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And a lot of those points are not uh, things that we think about, uh, you know, when we're scheduling our patients for surgery at either a hospital or ASC. So I appreciate you de detailing that out. So let's move into some of the findings that you discussed in your paper. Uh, since we were just discussing ASC utilization for hip arthroscopy, um, you did find in your study that uh, nationally there was an increasing trend in ASC utilization for hip arthroscopy. So what did you think when you saw that result? While it's increasing trend over time, I was actually shocked by how low the overall utilization of ASCs is across the country. Um, you know, just over 30%. You know, we were limited in this study on the on the years that we had available um, for the Marcus Kinn database, which was 20. We had access at the time of this study from 2013 to 2017. Um, and, you know, but that's still fairly representative of, of our of our current practice. And it, I was really surprised to find that it that it still, you know, hovers low in the in the 30s as of even as recently as 2017. Um, you know, versus other procedures, so, you know, knee arthroscopy and shoulder arthroscopy are are much, much higher. Yeah, that's interesting. And also regarding the ASC utilization in hip arthroscopy, you found that it resulted in over $3,000 decrease uh, in payers uh, and then a $47 decrease in patient out-of-pocket expenses. So you you touched on some of these earlier, but what do you think the reasons for these decreased uh, costs were when hip arthroscopy was performed at an ASC? Yes, you know, it's similar to findings that we found for ACL reconstruction as well as rotator cuff repair in that the implant and facility fees are much higher when surgeries are done at hospitals or HOPDs compared to a freestanding ASC. And, you know, that's now been shown, like I said, you know, across ACLs, rotator cuff, and now hip arthroscopy. There are huge cost savings. Um, you know, for the insurance company to in, and for the health system in general to move these cases to the ASC setting. Um, you know, other drivers besides the implants and facility fees are just shorter OR times. Um, and that could be, you know, as a result of the better team, better teams, uh, more um, specialized training that the ASCs provide, um, you know, the ASC staff compared to a hospital setting where the, where the techs and Scrub techs and circulating nurses may not be as familiar with hip, with the hip scope procedures. Yeah, that's a good point, and I think we see it where uh, in the hospital setting, the the techs and nurses are exposed to just so many more uh, types of procedures across multiple subspecialties, and so as a result, you know, no fault of their own necessarily, but they just never become super subspecialized in one specific type of surgery like they might at an ASC. 
So uh, additional findings you reported, you you found that there was a 4.3% increase in immediate procedure reimbursement and a 24.3% increase in patient out-of-pocket expenditure. So can you talk us through the significance of these findings? Yeah, so this was really interesting, and it goes to who is actually paying for surgeries. You know, is it the you know is it the insurance companies um, that are um, you know see uh, costs rising over time, or is it patients who are paying a higher uh, percentage of the total cost of care? And what we found is that patients are indeed paying uh, more over time. There's higher out-of-pocket patient expenditures for their for their healthcare. Um, and these findings were adjusted for inflation. Um, and, you know, and the overall cost, overall cost, overall total procedural reimbursement is relatively marginal, you know, at 4.3% increase. Um, but truly, it's the patients who are paying more out of pocket. And this goes in line, you know, with changes in insurance as well. You know, we see high deductible health plans uh, taking off in the past decade and uh, Patients having a higher surgical deductible, uh, higher copays, higher coinsurance. Um, so this study, you know, shows that that patients are truly, you know, at time of surgery or, or in the post-op period, um, contributing more to their overall cost of care. Interesting. One other finding that I'd like to ask your thoughts on is that you found a regional difference in um, where surgeries were being performed. So you found that in the southern United States. Uh, there was a higher utilization of these ambulatory surgical centers. So what are your thoughts on why this might be? That's a good question. Um, and one that we don't have data available in the study to directly answer. You know, one thought could be the ASC density may be higher in the South. Um, you know, would be one reason perhaps why there's higher utilization. Um, but unclear exactly from our data set to explain, you know, the higher utilizations regionally. And uh, Sean, you you talked a little bit about the other studies that you've performed in uh, ACL, knee, knee meniscal surgeries, uh, looking at similar uh, questions uh, as far as utilization um, and uh, the cost of procedures. Just globally, kind of big picture, how do you find the results in hip arthroscopy compare to what you've discovered in the knee? Very similar. You know, the overall trends are the same. You know, where you're where you're seeing um, high, you know, definitely a higher cost of patient out-of-pocket expenses. You're seeing slow but gradual shift in the site of care away from the hospitals, away from the HOPD settings, more toward more towards ASCs. Um, so th- those those overall general trends are definitely being seen across, you know, across shoulder, uh, hip and knee. Okay, great. What do you think if you had to identify one thing that uh, hip arthroscopy uh, is lacking in or is falling behind? You mentioned one of the, the things that you saw was the uh, utiliz- utilization of ASCs for hip arthroscopy surgical procedures themselves. You thought that was a little bit lower than what you saw on the knee. Uh, but is there anything else that really stood out as, you know, despite following the general similar trends was different with hip arthroscopy? Nothing in particular um, different. I think, you know, it was interesting in our study to also look at the type of procedures between FAI surgery, isolated debridements, and there's huge, and versus labor repair, and there's huge uh, total cost differences. You know, for FAI surgery, you know, it was showing approximately $14,000 versus $9,800 at the ASC setting which again is much different than a simple debridement, which was 9,000, you know, roughly 9,000 versus 5,800. 
you know, so the type of procedure performed definitely uh, is a driver for the cost as well. Um, versus, you know, we, it, for ACL surgery, there's there's much less variability um, because it's it's a you know ACL surgery is more or less one one surgery. You know, there's slight variation based if, whether an autograft was used or allograft was used, but we're seeing a lot more variability in cost for hip arthroscopy given that we are truly performing different procedures depending on you know, the actual procedure at time of surgery. Yeah, and I, I guess that's a good point you mentioned earlier, the differences in the CPT codes. And as hip arthroscopy is perhaps one of the newer uh, subspecialties in sports medicine, we don't have as many CPT codes to correctly identify how different those procedures are. Um, hopefully in the future, that's something that we can do better uh, so that we can analyze it um, more nuanced in the future as well. Absolutely. So based on your findings, uh, where do you see hip arthroscopy trending in the next few decades from here? Yeah, you know, I definitely see a shift more even greater than, you know, 30 some percent towards the outpatient setting toward, you know, into ASCs, you know, and you know, this, this both delivers higher quality of care and at lower cost. So I think that you know, we'll definitely see that, you know, the question is whether we're going to start seeing insurance companies, um, you know, have a be um, more of a presence in pressuring us to to perform those surgeries, you know, only at ASCs, you know, and um, start to see de start to see denials if we try to do you know these types of cases at in the hospital setting. You know, we started to see that for other procedures. It'll be interesting to see if that also happens with hip arthroscopy. Well, I look forward to your future analyses uh, to see what the trends are over the next decade here or so. Um, any final thoughts, Sean, before we conclude our podcast? Um, no, thanks again for having me. You know, I, I think also the one thing that's been really helpful through these database analyses are just getting a better sense of what surgery costs. You know, I, I you know we sit in front of patients every day and we talk about risks and benefits of surgery, and and when someone's finally indicated, you know, often they you know they raise questions about what does this you know how much is this actually going to cost me, and you know and now that we have data, you know, in hip arthroscopy showing, you know, the cost of FAI surgery, the cost of labor repairs, I've actually found this really helpful on a practical everyday basis that now I can, you know, tell patients that, well, you know, a standard FAI surgery at an outpatient setting will be roughly nine, you know, roughly $10,000, you know, and so if you have a $2,000 deductible or a $5,000, you know, dollar deductible, you can expect that to be met, you know, you know, from the full episode of care. It's just been really helpful to to have data to present to patients uh, for the cost of cases. Yeah, that's excellent. And thank you so much for your work and for, for publishing that data so that we can all use it to counsel our patients and become more informed ourselves as um, orthopedic surgeons. So thank you so much again, Sean. Um, it was a pleasure talking to you. We really appreciate your time and expertise. Thanks so much for having me. Dr. Anthony's article titled Hip Arthroscopy Trends, Increasing Patient Out-of-Pocket Costs, Lower Surgeon Reimbursement, and Cost Reduction with Utilization of Ambulatory Surgery Centers can be found online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. This concludes our episode of the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. Thank you for joining us. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. Mm -hmm.